Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Kate Winslet, what comes to mind? It's a multitude of things for me. Arms out with a hottie on the edge of a ship having a bit of a romantic moment is etched in my brain. I'm flying! Jack! I watch The Holiday every Christmas and it reminds me that you're supposed to be the leading lady of your own life for God's sake. Did you know though Marty McCutcheon almost played Kate's role in the film? Another thing I discovered is that Kate Winslet took the Daily Mail, a.k.a. Associated Newspapers Limited, to court for libel over an article that was published in January 2009 that claimed she was lying about her exercise regime. The article claimed that Kate Winslet's figure could not have been achieved from the results of doing 20-minute Pilates workouts from home. It included photographs of Kate Winslet naked, which were taken from films she had appeared in during her career. Kate had been outspoken about body positivity from the beginning and was not going to take this lying down whilst asking Leonardo DiCaprio... I want you to draw me like one of your French girls. This is Courtroom Drama, the podcast that gets the inside scoop on celebrity court cases with added insight into how the courtroom system actually works. We've read the court transcripts, so you don't have to. I'm your host, Jackie Adedeji. I'm going to get into the who, what and where with the iconic barrister Grace Rose Gwynn and senior editorial compliance lawyer for ITN. She's a big deal. It's Demelza Hassani. Today's case is Winslet vs. Associated Newspapers Limited. So stop the press. You're about to get served. Let me take you back to 2009. Gordon Brown is the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Celebrity Big Brother is on Channel 4. Latoya Jackson and Eureka Johnson are housemates. The closure of Woolworths has just been completed across the UK. And at the 66th Golden Globe Awards, British actress Kate Winslet wins two awards. Best Actress for Revolutionary Road and Best Supporting Actress for The Reader. My girl is having a great start to the year. I'm just really, really happy to be included this year. Now, I don't know exactly how this happened, but this is what I imagine. It's January 30th and Kate is back from the States in her £4 million mansion in Sussex. She's sitting on a silk armchair with a newspaper in her hand. For reasons unknown to us, she's reading the Daily Mail. She turns to pages 28 and 29 and sees naked images of herself. And the headline, should Kate Winslet win an Oscar for the world's most irritating actress? I'll let Kate read the rest of the article to you. The following is a dramatic reconstruction. It has been created from courtroom transcripts which have been condensed and edited for clarity. It was Kate Winslet's normalcy that made us root for her and queue up to watch her films, that made her performances in her early movies, such as Sense and Sensibility, so believable and touching. But then she caught a nasty dose of Hollywooditis. (laughs) The signs were all there, 
brewing away early on. Kate was, compared to most screen performers, curvy and normal-looking, albeit with an open, handsome face that, as one female editor pointed out, quote, is at once good-looking enough to convey great beauty, but relaxed enough for character roles. <sighs> but like many women who dislike how they look, Kate made a big point of mentioning her size over and over again, as if she were OK with it, which, of course, she wasn't. There is no way Kate, despite her protestations the other day that, quote, as long as all of this is going on, I've stopped exercising and I'm eating whatever I want. That exercise has gone out of the window for now because I haven't got time, what with award ceremonies and film premieres. Or that it is her Narciso Rodriguez gowns that nip her in and push her up in all the right places has not worked supremely, vomit-inducingly hard to get the figure she has today. I can see the fact she has, quote, gone for the burn, etched on her woefully drawn features. She might say it is down to 20 minutes of gentle Pilates a day, but trust me, it ain't. I've done that amount of Pilates for years, and I do not have anything approaching Ms Winslet's enviable muscle tone. Demelza, have you spotted any red flags in the article so far that you would have removed before publishing? I'm not sure articles like this are as strong as this nowadays. I'd like to think they aren't. But in terms of sort of the legal red flags for me, obviously what they're saying here is that she's dishonest. She can't possibly have this body without working out like the way that we imagine Hollywood stars work out. How do you ever prove that? If we were defending this and we were saying, well, it's true... Are we going to follow her around and watch what exercise she does all day? You know, like truth is going to be very difficult to prove. There's no real facts here that are backing up this story other than, well, I do Pilates 20 minutes a day and I don't have that body. So that's another red flag and there's no public interest in this. It's another key defamation defence. I don't see any public interest in this article. You know, it's, it's really just celebrity tittle-tattle. I think it's irrelevant. It's boring. It doesn't serve a purpose. The journalists can say what they want to say without any facts or evidence, but then God forbid a celebrity do the same when they're stating what their daily life is like. Yeah. And also, maybe it doesn't work for you 20 minutes a day, but then also maybe you have a different, very different diet to Kate Winslet. Also, genetics. Hello. Absolutely. Kate took the Associated Press to court for this because the article implied that she had publicly lied about her exercise regime. In an interview with Elle magazine, she said, I, I don't, don't go, go to the, the gym, gym because I don't. I don't have time, but I do Pilates workouts on DVD for 20 minutes or more every day at home. Now, the writer of the Daily Mail article says the results Winslet has gotten from workout routines like that can't be true because she herself has done that amount of Pilates for years and does not have anything approaching Miss Winslet's enviable muscle tone. Isn't this just the writer's opinion, though? Because what makes it feel like it's been delivered as a fact? Absolutely. And so it should have been delivered as an opinion saying, you know, oh, I wish I had that. Or in my opinion, Pilates hasn't been that successful for me. Mm -hmm. But you don't just say blanket statements without any facts to corroborate saying this is not true. Fine, state your opinion in, in opinion pieces, but don't state your opinion as fact when you've got nothing to support it. Demelza, you've actually worked at Shillings the Firm, who represented Kate Winslet in this case. 
Can you give us some behind the scenes context? Like, Would Kate's agent have been involved in making the decision to sue the Daily Mail? I should stress I was not there when this case was running and I never worked for Kate Winslet. But yeah, her agent would almost certainly have been involved. A celebrities like Kate Winslet will have a really strong brand PR team around them and their agent will be a key part of that. The agent most likely would have been involved in the calls and the strategy and taking it forward. Are there any regulations around how newspapers are allowed to cover articles on women? There's no specific regulations that are kind of geared towards women in particular. And there um, should be. There probably should be some greater regulation around some of this, but there's just the general laws that are impact all of us so around defamation, around privacy, that sort of thing. Newspapers are normally regulated by IPSO, so the Independent Press Standards Organisation, and I know that Associated are. So you could also make an IPSO complaint about an article, but nothing really that's specifically geared towards women as far as I'm aware. Which is crazy because if you look at the statistic of, of how many articles are about women's body, women's physique, women's lifestyle, and then the same about men, it is completely disproportionate. And actually, they're not addressed in the same way at all. Look at the way we talk about Silver Fox, man with grey hair as opposed to a woman. Oh, gosh, she needs a roots doing. Yeah. Or a man with a dad bod yeah. or a woman that can't get a shit together and needs to sort herself out in order to lose the weight. Yeah. You know, the, the same things, but across the genders, treated very differently by mm. the press. Yeah, the sexism is rife, isn't it? Absolutely. It's like men get better with age, like a fine wine, which I don't think is true. <laughs> And Demelza, because I'm just so nosy and I love celebrity culture, how would you keep stories about celebrities you represent out of the press? I think a lot of celebrities and sort of well-known people will have quite a strong reputation management team behind them. So they will have people that are sort of forecasting for them what might affect their reputation in various areas, troubleshooting future risk and that sort of thing. If there's a specific story, you'd look at whether there's a PR angle that you need to go with as opposed to a kind of legal angle, because it might be better to confront a story head on rather than threaten to sue everybody. Or you can take steps to protect that information via a law firm, be it via, you know, a privacy claim or sometimes we will proactively contact publishers and say, this is a private matter, you can't publish on it. So there are various things, but there would probably always be a sort of PR angle and a legal angle that you need to consider, again, with probably with a, a wider team to work out how best to keep a story as contained as possible. It's interesting because obviously this case was 2009, right? Instagram wasn't even around in 2009. Yeah. You see so many celebrities kind of reclaim their narrative using social media. When Rihanna talked about how she had caught wind of the fact that someone had taken photos of her newborn baby and was going to print it in the press. So what she did was she just like posted the baby mm -hmm. and kind of she was able to like work quicker than the media. And it's like, I feel like maybe if this happened now that Kate Winslet could have actually reclaimed the narrative in a way that would have been revolutionary for lots of people and just lots of women, because I think lots of women would have rallied behind her. And from a pop culture point of view, you've yeah. got, in 2009, she's not got the access to her fans. No. She's not got the access to the public. Mm. And so we are being fed information about these celebrities only from sources like this. Yeah. And we've got no other side. You know, nowadays we see celebrities work out on Instagram. Yeah. We see an insight into their daily life. And actually, in a way... In 2009, it's the celebrity that's been gagged effectively right. to talking about these things because they don't have the output in order to do so. It's crazy to think how different things are now. Can we talk about celebrity exercise regimes and weight loss secrets for a second? Because 
I think we can all remember Beyonce's cayenne pepper cleanse. <laughs> Kim Kardashian saying she lifts weights for two hours a day. And Adele saying her level of weight loss can't be achieved by everyone and anyone because she's worked out two to three times a day with trainers while she was in a period of unemployment. Should papers be fact-checking what celebs claim they are doing? Oh, it's so difficult because we also know celebrities have since come out and said, you know, that exercise video I promoted mm. 10 years ago. Well, actually, I didn't get that body from 20-minute bursts. I was actually training three times a day. Yeah. So we have celebrities going back on what they've initially sold to consumers for profit. They're a brand. They're putting information out there. Yeah, okay, it could be fact-checked. Let's say I've given up alcohol and then they're seen in a bar. Yeah. That's very different to personal private workouts at home. But surely you should just take everything celebrities say with a pinch of salt. 100%. Like you cannot compare yourself to the way Kim Kardashian's living. It's like you, it's like you just can't. You, you, you'll you never really know. So Like living chefs, yeah, nutritionists. Right? Yeah, some exactly. Dietitians. Right. Some of us only have a, the gym membership for twenty ninety nine a month. Exactly. You know, that's all we've got. <laughs> yeah. Let's hear the rest of the article. Come on, Kate. Just be honest about how hard it is to be that size. Don't pretend that you are still normal. The number of times Miss Winslet has appeared naked on screen, from early on in her career, in Jude, through Hideous Kinky, Little Children, and right up to her BAFTA-nominated performance in The Reader, tells me one thing. She is so proud of what she has achieved with her body that she is jolly well going to show it off. Listen to what she said when she was complimented on her natural breasts by Oprah Winfrey and her attitude to appearing naked by none other than Halle Berry. Quote, that is worth all the pain. If she were blasé about her body, why would there have been pain? It's giving body shaming. I don't think you'd be allowed to say she's not normal. What is normal in this right. day and age? So I think that's a cultural difference. 2009, we probably were allowed to use words like normal. That's very different now. And also, again, she's damn well going to show it off. Yeah, and she can. Yeah. It's her body. So why, again, are we stepping all over women's autonomy mm. to do what they want to do with their body? It's also quite dangerous to assume that someone's secure in their body just because their job requires them to take their clothes yes. off for all of those films are fantastic films and they required her to be naked for them. It doesn't mean that she loves her body necessarily. Two things can be true at the same time. You can be insecure about your body, but also maybe, I don't know, you're an Instagram influencer and you do body positivity work and that's how you pay your bills. Exactly. And look at the counterparts, the male counterparts, Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm sure no one's kicking off when he has to take his shirt off in a film. Right. I'm sure he's not saying, oh, well, he damn well wants to show himself off. Off. You know, again, it's the division. Mm. There's no equality between the men and women insofar as the way the press portray them. And to go back to your point about normality, the reality is that Kate Winslet was very small. She was probably no more than a size 12, do we think? I mean, I don't want to speculate yeah. on someone else's body. But that's very small. And to be portraying that as the bigger end of normal... I mean, I remember this going on in the early 2000s, especially against someone like Kay Winslet. And it's not nice. It, yeah. it really creates a lot of insecurities, especially in young women. Yeah. And I think at that time, just the culture of punching down on women's bodies mm -hmm. and in magazine columns, you know. I remember, I can't even remember who it was now. There was some a celebrity who was being shamed for weight gain. And like there was always like columns where they were just shaming women. And so as a young woman and you're reading these magazines, you're thinking, damn, there must be something wrong with me too. It was like this never-ending thing of trying to chase 
society's idea of what was beautiful. And do you remember, again, I really hope this wouldn't happen now. I don't think it would, but the pictures on the beach where people would circle the yes, cellulite yes, and stuff. that's what I was thinking about. Yes. Just, it was just relentless. Yeah. Like, And, you know, that does like, shape how you see your own body. Totally. It's a really unhealthy narrative to have to grow up with. Yeah. I'm just thinking about the size zero thigh gap time and just how toxic that was. I also think that there's a culture of empowerment now. Yeah. And people are braver and more willing to call out behaviours, call out organisations, call out institutions yeah. like the magazines, like the tabloids, say, no, this isn't right. Yeah. We've got celebrities launching huge campaigns where they have a wide degree of different body shapes, different yeah. ethnicities, things that you wouldn't have seen in 2009 and in the early noughties. You just wouldn't have seen it. Yeah, you've got loads of celebrities who will post stuff that's like not airbrushed and yeah. they'll make a point of it or this is what my belly looks like when I'm about to come on my period yeah. or like the picture I took versus how I looked before you know, exactly all of this stuff that. I think that is the stuff that makes you feel like not as bad about yourself which we just didn't have the body that looks like this can also yeah. look like this exactly and I think that's the powerful thing and hopefully we're not going back I also think yeah. that we are much better at identifying this as sort of quite clear misogyny and misogynistic yes. language I back in 2009 I wouldn't have had the language to express I don't think yes. that this is offensive because it's misogynistic yeah Kate had sued Grazia a few years before over claims that she'd visited a diet doctor in California. She said she felt like it was damaging to her brand and when she won that trial, she said, I am not a hypocrite. I have always been and shall continue to be honest when it comes to body weight issues. As an in-house lawyer for somewhere like the Associated Press, would you keep an eye on celebs who had sued for claims like this so you'd be extra cautious around stories about them? I think, obviously... As an editorial compliance lawyer, you always want your content to be as, you know, low risk and lawful as mm-hmm. possible. But the reality is with places like Associated, where they are churning out a lot of content all the time, you might not be able to be across every single piece of publication that's going out into the world. That you would really keep an eye on stories about people that were known to be litigious or known to you know, have a particular brand they're very interested in protecting. And that applies not just to defamation, but you know, copyright. There are some people that are very, very protective of their copyright and some people who are maybe less so. Also applies to companies. Lots of companies have brands that they want to protect. And we would kind of have a good inkling of who those kind of people and entities are. And we would probably keep a closer eye on stories that were going out about them. Do you think the Daily Mail would have expected this article to land them in any legal hot water? Because they write a lot of articles like this. So how many lawsuits would the Daily Mail expect in a year? <laughs> because of the nature of the Daily Mail or the content the Daily Mail produces. Mm-hmm. So obviously they have that like sidebar of shame mm-hmm. thing. With yes. Lots of celebrity content, lots of people in the public eye they probably expect a certain level of risk with those sorts of articles and they're taking a calculated risk because they're also you know lots of people read that stuff i would say they will probably get about a hundred legal letters a year but that will cover you know defamation privacy copyright lots of different causes of action Mm -hmm. they might get maybe 50 or so more ipso complaints that's complaints to their regulator but you've got to remember that of those kind of potentially around 100, only a really small proportion of them are going to get to a court phase. So probably about 10 claims would actually be issued in a court every year. And then even fewer of those go to trial because you normally settle, as as I'm sure Grace will attest to. 100 doesn't even sound like that many. Yeah, it doesn't. Compared to their readership. For how Mm. controversial the Daily Mail is and the audience Mm. that it reaches, 100 seems like a drop in the ocean for them. I don't know, I just expect that to be sort of a week or a month. Yeah. Yeah. Two letters a week. 
for such a huge publication and one that's so controversial and one that every time we see a celebrity suing an organisation for a publication, it tends to be linked somewhere to the Daily Mail. I don't know, I just expected it to be an overwhelming amount. It's the cost, isn't it? Yeah, true. It's just so expensive. Even to get a law firm to write a letter for you, that's going to cost you money. Yeah. And a lot of celebrities probably don't have the time or the patience or the inclination or, you know, the money to be constantly writing to newspapers. Kate once famously called out the airbrushing and editing of a GQ cover she had shot where she was made to look slimmer. Now, we've got filters and editing apps, as we know. I'm I'm guilty of using the Paris filter on Instagram. <laughs> but can tabloids and magazines still edit pics in the same way? Like, are they breaking rules if they do so? Because we kind of edit ours, so can't they edit ours too? Well, they own the content, don't they? That's the problem. It's their ah. content to do what they want with it. There's no laws around this, really. Wow. And as you say, yeah, they own the content. Most of the images that we see in magazines are going to be airbrushed in some way. Mm-hmm. And I think hopefully we all know that now. I guess the only thing would be whether if Kate had gone to them, look, I don't want you to edit my pictures and I want it put in my contract that you're not going to do it. And they'd done it. That would have been a breach of contract. Mm-hmm. I imagine that's probably quite rare because, as I said, everybody knows really that they're going to be edited now. I don't know if there would be some sort of defamation angle if they edit you in a way that you're really unhappy with. Potentially, yes, because that's a distorted image. But I think Kate's approach here was right because obviously she took the PR approach. She said, I don't look like that. I think that actually made her seem a lot more genuine and, and approachable to the British public by doing that rather than kind of getting really irate about it. The other thing I would say is that there is quite a lot of appetite in this area around on social media when an image has been edited in some way to you know have a law that says it has to say yes. it's been edited because that is the law in some other European countries but it's not here yes. and I think there's a real push towards transparency on that for good reason. I, yeah. yeah, I agree. Because again, like I like to think everybody knows if you're looking at an Instagram picture of somebody and they look incredible. You might not question it. You might think that's actually how they look. And we all know that we're putting filters on our... On yeah. our a lot of girls get exposed with that. Well, one. I always <laughs> think if caption. someone's standing in front of the wall and the wall looks a bit bent, I'm curvy, like, oh, curvy. yeah, it's a bit curvy. I'm like, oh, there's a bit of editing there. But since then, we've had other celebrities come out and do the same. Megan yeah. Trainer kicked off massively with the mm. way she'd been edited. And she, again, used her platform to say, that's not how I look. This is a photo that was taken of me on the same day that's not been edited. And again, they've got the opportunity and the output to be able to do that. Yeah. Kate Winslet didn't have the same back mm-hmm. then. Also, I think what's remarkable is probably as someone like her who's a woman who's working in entertainment you never want to rock the boat because of that fear of people never wanting to work with you That's again so definitely yeah yeah it's, you never want to and I think as a woman you never want to be seen as someone that's like too emotional or or angry or whatever. There's Aggressive. Like all these, yeah, all these labels that Demanding. are used to, Yeah, like silence us. Yeah. So for her to be like, oh no, I'm taking you out of court. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really empowering thing because she's like, I don't actually care whatever label you have of me. I'm not happy with this. And, you know, and I think that's actually so empowering. I mean, even 2009, she did, I mean, there was no Instagram. The fact that she did that then was, is bold. And again, this is probably where it, the kind of element of her talking to a team comes in mm. because it is a really hard line to kind of tread, you know, protecting your reputation versus making sure you're not burning bridges. Mm. But the reality is her 
brand is built around being approachable, being down to earth. Like people like Kate Winslet for that reason. And it probably does contribute to her success and her getting roles. Mm -hmm. And she had to protect him because she was being accused of lying about it here. I don't know if you both have seen the Supermodels documentary on Apple Plus. I really want to watch this. Fantastic. You know, the Supers, Naomi, Cindy, Linda, Christy. They talk about the change in the look of models in the industry because they became smaller and skinnier, more waif-like in the 90s. You know, it was the whole, nothing tastes as good as skinny films. Were all women just expected to look like this then? And if you didn't, did that mean that you should have just accepted that the papers would write whatever they want about you? I think probably yes, to be honest. This is what, in the wow. 90s, that kind of waif-like aesthetic was what was kind of championed as the most beautiful figure. And I do think back then, targeting women and misogynistic language was just a lot more acceptable. And I think like, you know, you didn't really get a chance to complain about it. I remember watching the Spice Girls, how they changed Britain documentary on Channel 4. Mm. There was Victoria Beckham talking about how she was called Skeletal Spice. Mm. Wow. She did an interview for TFI Friday and Chris Evans, when she just had Brooklyn, asked her what her weight was and wow. asked her to get on some scales or yeah, something. And it's like, that. how was this acceptable at any point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think that time, and yeah, and even Mel C had talked about how she developed an eating disorder because mm-hmm. when she gained a bit of weight, they called us Podgy Spice. And yeah. that was like front cover. I'm like, how dare they? It was just constant scrutiny, Horrendous. constant comparison. It was just completely par for the course to describe women in these ways and to not really get any repercussion for it. And again, I really don't think it will go now. It would just people just wouldn't let it happen in the same way, I like to think. But I don't think it disappeared completely because look at Demi Lovato. She was given watermelon cakes for her birthday because she wasn't allowed to eat cake. And that was with her internal management team. So I think, yes, it's less talked about now because we know it's not acceptable. But we'd be naive to say that it doesn't exist as much anymore. It's just done under wraps, I would say. What do you think was the pivotal moment that changed everything? Because obviously the papers don't really write. They wouldn't write maybe like in the same way that they would in, in the 90s. Like, What do you think was the thing that changed things? Is it social media? I think there's just been a real resurgence in feminism over uh, the past 10 yes. years, especially after Me Too type yes. stuff. Mm-hmm. And yes. I think women have got a lot more angry mm. and a, a lot better, as we've said, of calling out stuff like this and saying, actually, it's not acceptable for you to say this stuff about my body mm. in this way. And I wonder if people have just started realising as well, like the aesthetic that was being championed in the 90s mm. of being that thin probably what like one percent of the population can fulfill that and the reason that gets pushed on us is that we all spend money Mm, trying to look like them and i think that we are now a lot more cognizant of that and the reality is i am never going to look like you know cindy crawford i will never be that small and i will never be that tall but back in the 90s we were told buy this do this do this diet and you can look like this and you'll be as beautiful and you'll be as successful and I just think post Me Too, post the past 10 years of, you know, really, really strong feminists coming out yes. and saying, no, I think we've all learned now to recognise mm. that sort of behaviour and that rhetoric. I also think social media plays a massive part in it. Mm. Because if you feel outraged by something, but you can't see how anyone else feels other than your close friends and family... Mm then that's one thing. You go on social media and see there are thousands of people that feel the same way. You feel more empowered to add to that conversation. Now, when Miss Winslet filed her claim against the Associated Press, they accepted their fault and responded with an offer of a sum of money, £25,000, and an apology in the paper. Kate accepted. Kate didn't expect the apology to end up on an obscure corner of page 27 of the September 4th issue that was about the size of two postage stamps. Tiny! 
An article on January the 30th compared Miss Winslet's appearance with comments she made about having, quote, stopped exercising. We accept that Miss Winslet was not being duplicitous in making her comments or seeking to deliberately mislead about her exercise regime. We apologise for any distress caused. I hate that apology. I think it's so shallow to say that she was not seeking to deliberately mislead. That, to me, and that might be thinking my lawyer hat on, shows that she still has misled, it just wasn't deliberate. And so I don't think that is answering what the intention of the apology was. She wasn't misleading. And Judge didn't like it either, did he? No, exactly. (laughs) And you can't say anything to prove that she was misleading. Mm. So just saying, oh, she wasn't seeking to deliberately mislead shows to me that she did mislead you, but it wasn't deliberate. Mm. So shady. Such a shady apology. And they are mugging it by putting it so small. Yeah. That is an absolute mockery. Yeah, big one. When do papers issue a correction as opposed to an apology? Generally, they'd correct if it was just, you know, an issue of accuracy and there was no complaint around what had been said. They would only really apologise as part of an offer of amends or as part of a settlement potentially where it's been agreed that they need to apologise because what they've said is egregious in some way. If it's just a correction, it's normally because no one's actually offended by it. It just wasn't right. Papers like Associated have sort of email addresses you can email if you've noticed an error in some of their reporting. So that's when they would normally not apologise. Ah. And the judge wasn't happy with it for two reasons. One, the judge didn't think that it met the criteria of what the apology was meant to be. Mm. And also, the judge wasn't happy with the way it had been dealt with in the newspaper, with it being so small. Mm. I mean, the judge said it was a modest announcement. We all know what that means. It means it was tiny, it was small. It's like when estate agents call a house charming and you know that means small. (laughs) You know? (laughs) I love that. Now, Kate was not happy with this apology. She was like, no, baby, no. Basically, that's why she then went ahead and pursued an application for a statement in open court so she could have her own narrative. But that was a lot more kind of precise in what she wanted to put Mm. across. So yeah, stuff like statement open courts, those kind of draftings that are going to go out into the public domain, they will have a lot of input from all different sides. Again, probably Mm. there will be a PR element that's coming into it, an agent element that's coming into it. Because you want to get your position through sort of thoroughly, you know, you want to vindicate yourself, don't you? Yeah, for sure. But you don't hear about public statements in open court now from celebrities because they're given a platform. And so you have a press release. There's a way to get that statement out there and you don't need the permission of a judge to do so. So yes, whilst they can still happen, do still happen, it's far less frequent than it once was because of the platform celebrity have to get a message directly to their fan base. Can I just say right now, this room is feeling hot, 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 and I love it. <laughs> On paper, this case does sound a bit frivolous. Do you know what I mean? Like, Oscar winner sues newspaper for making false claims about her work regime. However, Kate Winslet is a bit of an activist when it comes to body image and is passionate about teaching young girls about the beauty of our body types. Do you think that would have been a reason why Associated Press so quickly accepted that they were in the wrong? Because, I don't know, it felt like they didn't seem to put up a fight. Yeah, I mean, they didn't, definitely didn't put up a fight. An offer of amends has to be made before you even file a defence. Mm-hmm. And there are very short timeframes for doing that. So what would have happened is she's put a claim in mm-hmm. and they then have maybe four weeks to respond. And what they've done is very quickly said, we're not defending this, we just need to get rid of it. And I think there would have been various thinking that went into that approach. They probably looked at the article and realised they didn't have any real defences. They thought, I want to make sure that we do not incur any more costs on this, any more of her costs or our costs, because you're liable for the other side's costs to a degree. If a case is pursued and you don't win in it, 
I think they probably would have realized that she's not going to let it go. She's not someone that's going to be fobbed off. So it's better in this case, because she is so protective of that branding, to just admit we shouldn't have published it. We We're sorry. Up. And she's got the financial backing to exactly, run yeah. this all the way through. Yeah, I love that. A lot of the times that I've experienced is it's a purely commercial decision. Yeah. It is far cheaper to just concede give a nominal sum of money, £25,000, and then it's all over. Because you best believe the legal fees of both sides would already be around that, if not higher, definitely. even at that stage. Yeah, definitely. Demelza, can we go back to your time at Shillings? Because mm. like, I'm kind of curious about what kind of security do firms like that use to prevent any information about their clients getting out? Yeah, they'll have very high levels of security and encryption. They're very aware that the information they're protecting is really important mm -hmm. and it's all privileged and, you know, confidential. So law firms like Shillings will put a lot of money into ensuring their systems are the kind of as watertight as they possibly can be. Yeah, definitely. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. At the Royal Court of Justice in London, Kate Winslet had her lawyer read out the following statement. The article falsely claimed that the claimant had publicly <laughs> lied about her exercise regime. The claimant has frequently asserted the right of women to accept the way that they look, and by accusing her of trying to mislead the public, the defendant caused her a great deal of distress. It was simply not true. The article was also offensive in tone, which caused the claimant further upset and embarrassment, particularly when coupled with the gratuitous photographs. <laughs> the claimant, through her solicitors, wrote to the defendant and requested an apology. The defendant refused to apologise, so the claimant issued proceedings for libel in March 2009. In the face of those proceedings, the defendant made an unqualified offer of amends, thereby accepting that the allegation was completely false and that it had no defence to the proceedings. The defendant published an apology on the 4th of September, accepting that the claimant had not been duplicitous in making her comments or seeking to deliberately mislead about her exercise regime. 
the defendant has also agreed to pay substantial damages to the claimant and to pay her legal costs. Mm. In these circumstances and this statement in court having been read out in court, the claimant considers I, that she Kate has been Winslet, fully vindicated. Consider that I have been fully vindicated, my reputation has been restored, and accordingly I'm happy to bring these proceedings to a close. My lord, it only remains for me to ask for leave that the record be withdrawn. Question. Why was it acceptable for Kate Winslet to not be in court to give that statement herself? Because they act on her behalf. They're her agents, effectively. So that's quite frequent and it's quite common. She's given a statement, she's got her position, she's fully instructed her legal team and they can advance her position without her physically being there. And what does it mean when the lawyer asks for the record to be withdrawn? I believe it just means that you know the claim is taken back now, that they're not pursuing the claim. So ah. It's strange terminology. Mm. Yeah. Usually you do what we call a consent order and that says that the claim has been settled, it's been agreed at X amount of damages. Mm. To say that the record be withdrawn, that's sort of quite old-fashioned terminology. Yeah. I was like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> Just the case is concluded. It's okay. yeah. Why couldn't they have just said that? So yeah. extra. It just sounds a bit bad, doesn't it? Yeah, though? it does. It's kind of more dramatic. The case took place before the Defamation Act changed in 2013 and is based on the 1996 Defamation Act. What are the key differences between the two? So the 1996 Act is actually still in force in ah. lots of key parts. The offer of amends regime is part of the 1996 Act. And then prior to 2013, we had the 1996 Act, we had a few other random defamation acts from over the years, and we had this huge body of case law. And the Defamation Act 2013 sought to kind of codify quite a lot of that case law and make it a bit more concise and easy to manage, basically. And there are various things that the Defamation Act 2013 did to change the law slightly in this area. So the key thing, actually, that it did is it brought in a serious harm threshold. So if you want to bring a defamation or a libel claim, you have to show that the publication has caused or will is likely to cause you serious harm. And for a company, that normally means serious financial loss. For an individual, you have to show actual facts that show that it's harmed you in some way. So for a celebrity, it might be that you've had sponsorship withdrawn or something like that. And prior to that, that threshold didn't exist. There was case law around it, but it was the intention of that provision, for example, was to try and get rid of kind of trivial claims. So now we have Defamation Act 2013, which is the key piece of legislation. And we still have the Defamation Act 1996, which is the offer of amends regime. And then we have huge amounts of case law, basically. The defence has said that there could be no sanction for Associated Press after their apology was published because the figure of £25,000 had already been accepted by Kate Winslet. So what's your take on that? I believe the defence is wrong on that. The judge is correct. So basically what the defence was saying, because she's accepted this offer of amends, she can't then come at us for a statement in open court. What the judge said is no offer of amends is one regime, statement in open court is part of another regime. You can have both. It gives the parties the opportunity to both have their take on what's been said. And as long as the statement in open court is fair and proportionate, it doesn't kind of try and say anything that hasn't already really been agreed between the parties. It's totally fine for you to do that as well. Yeah, I think the judge's reasoning was correct. She did not feel vindicated by that offer. As we've discussed, I think the nature of the kind of wording of the apology and whatever else may have swayed the judge on this because he really wasn't very happy with the size of it and the tone of it and stuff. So I think that probably swayed him to say, look, she needs to be able to have her say as well. The court was weighing up whether there would be an injustice to Kate Winslet if the application wasn't allowed or an injustice to the defendant if the application was allowed. 
And the judge found there's no injustice to the defendant whatsoever if Kate Winslet makes the open statement in court. But actually, if she's not allowed to make it, then she's at a disadvantage because the message of this apology couldn't have reached all of the readers that read that horrible article about Kate Winslet Mm. because the defendant put it so small and hid it in their newspaper. Mm. So Kate Winslet needed to make this statement in open court so that it could reach the original readers of that article. What do you think they would have lost by her reading her statement? Probably the pride argument. Yeah. They feel like it's another loss to them. I mean, the problem is, is that they know it's going to reach more people, this statement. But their apology was meant to, in good faith, reach the same readership as the original article. So they can't have what we call a windfall. They do something wrong, they shouldn't profit from that. And actually, they need to restore the status quo and put Kate Winslet in the position she was in before this horrible article came out. And what are your final thoughts on the uh, case? I think you're right. In so far as what courts deal with, it was quite a trivial matter but it had a greater public impact for women, for the fact that publications can't just say things that aren't true, and for the message that Kate Winslet's sending to all women Mm. out there that don't let people say things that aren't true and you should hold them accountable. Mm -hmm. Kate Winslet's got the power and the money to do so and she's made an example out of them. I respect Kate, I think you were saying, for really pushing this case because I think, as she said in in her statement in open court, part of it was just about saying this article was offensive in tone, it upset me. Mm. And obviously the claim was defamation, but her making that point is also really important. And I think this is the kind of case at Shillings that I'd been really proud to work on because, you know, it's advancing something that's important. It's it's a woman saying, you said all this horrible stuff about me, it's not true, and you should be held to account for it. And, you know, Kate didn't have to pursue this even though in the end she probably didn't cost her that much money because she wouldn't have been on the hook for that many costs she didn't have to pursue it she could have just left it especially in 2009 when people weren't as interested in this sort of stuff but she pursued it because it meant something to her and I think that that's really really incredible yeah it really is it's inspiring I think the fact she won got the money got the apology and then went again and said it's still not good enough I'm coming back for more is iconic I do feel so strongly that I just have to keep talking about this stuff because not many people are. The judge concluded that the court order a statement in open court in the context of a settlement under the offer of an amends regime. So the judge saw no injustice to the defendant in permitting the claimant to make the statement. On November 3rd, 2009, Kate Winslet's statement was circulated to the media and justice, oof, justice was served. In this episode of Courtroom Drama, Kate Winslet was played by Mary Galloway and additional voices by Jake Wardle. This episode features special guests Grace Rose Gwynn and Demelza Hassani. Courtroom Drama is a crime and investigation original podcast made by ITM Productions and is hosted by me, Jackie Adedeji. It is produced by Raj Panda, assistant producer and sound design by Lucy Evans, production manager is Emily Jarvis, executive producer is Rabina Pabani, commissioning editors are Sam Pearson and Di Carter. <laughs>